0: Hey, everybody, to the Charlie Kirk Show, Vivek Ramaswamy and Governor Stitt join the program. Uh, Vivek shares with us his big lessons from running for president, uh, how I think he should be appointed for long-form podcasting. Governor Stitt joins the program to talk about illegal immigration, National Guard mobilization, and more. Email us, as always, freedom at charliekirk.com and subscribe to our podcast. Open up your podcast app and type in Charlie Kirk Show and get involved with Turning Point USA at tpusa.com. That's tpusa.com. Buckle up, everybody. Here we go. Charlie,
1: what you've done is incredible here. Maybe Charlie Kirk is on the college campus. I want you to know we are lucky to have Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk's running the White House, folks.
0: a company that specializes in gold IRAs and physical delivery of precious metals. Learn how you could protect your wealth with Noble Gold Investments at noblegoldinvestments.com. That is noblegoldinvestments.com. It's where I buy all of my gold. Go to noblegoldinvestments.com. Joining us now is one of my favorite leaders in the conservative movement. He does a great job. Governor Stitt from the great state of Oklahoma, Who He has now pledged support for the Texas border crisis via the Oklahoma National Guard. Governor Stitt, welcome to the program. Tell us about that announcement and uh, why it's so important for the people of Oklahoma.
1: Well, first off, thanks so much for having me on, Charlie. Uh, You know, like like most Americans right now, Oklahomans certainly uh, are looking at what's happening at the southern border, and we just don't understand. Uh, I don't know what you call six million people illegally entering our country unless you call it an invasion. And so we certainly stand with Governor Abbott. Uh, the fact that the the Biden administration is cutting razor wire to let people into the country, it's just unbelievable to us. Listen, there's 28 ports of entry along the southern border there in Texas, and it's already a federal law. It's illegal to enter anywhere except for those ports of entry. And uh, the last time I flew to Mexico... Uh, you know, I had to land at an airport with a customs office and show my passport. It's so uh, this is so asinine that we're even having these conversations. And I don't even know what the Biden administration's doing right now.
0: That, that is such a great point. So I was in Cabo recently and someone I was traveling with had, you know, had some expired identification that we had to call. And it was like this two hour thing. And the Mexican government was like, yeah, you're not allowed into the country. And the person I was traveling with was, you know, kind of stumbling through and we had to call the American embassy and get stuff faxed. It was like a two hour delay. And I felt like saying I said, boy, must be nice, must be nice knowing who's coming into your country. You know, border checks, yeah. ID. So, so Governor Stitt, you're doing a great job running Oklahoma. I think it would be helpful for our audience to know how has the open border invasion impacted your state? Fentanyl, um, crime, how has, how can what can you point to in your state? That has made your job as governor more challenging because of our open border.
1: Yeah, well, first off, the fentanyl crisis. I think it's important that Americans understand. Um, and in Oklahoma, our fentanyl deaths have increased by five hundred percent just since I've taken office in two thousand nineteen. Uh, and then you look at uh, let's think. Let's take our healthcare industry for a se- for a, se- a second. Um, you know, it's illegal for it's a federal law that, that when somebody shows up to the ER or hospitals. Uh, they have to give them service, whether they're illegal or not. I mean, I don't, I don't understand how, how dumb we have to be. We're creating the Biden's policies are creating this mass migration. Um, and, and here's, here's the other, the other point. I mean, governors like, like myself, we would like to have more control over our H1B1 visas so we can meet, you know, workforce needs, true workforce needs. And if, if our labor force needs labor, but it's got to be done legally, we have to know who's coming into the country. And so right now you have people on the terrorist watch list uh, that are coming in illegally. And so, uh, again, the only explanation that the Biden administration can have is they're literally trying to bring in people that they think are going to vote that they want and they want to try to uh, change the voter laws. Um, and make, make, make just a bunch of voters, new voters for themselves is the only explanation you can have. But we got to focus on what's best for America, not what's best for someone's next election. And the American people are getting sick of it.
0: So, so you are signaling support from the Oklahoma National Guard. Oklahoma is a great state. Can you just go through some of the specifics? I'm curious, what does that look like? Uh, are you, you I, I suppose they're still under your control, or do you delegate that to the governor of Texas? What are they going to be doing? Uh, on the southern border and have you heard any whispers that joe biden might federalize your national guard
1: well we've already sent uh, troops to the border once before and i think about 10 or 12 other republican governors did that in support of abbott when he asked us last time and i actually went down to eagle pass and went down and to meet my troops on the border to put my eyes on it and uh, the razor wire piece that's literally all it is is a barrier right there at the river's edge to people keep people from coming up because as soon as they touch the, the soil of the U.S., that's when the Biden administration was just releasing them and giving them a court date that says, come back in two years here. Welcome to the U.S. And so, uh, so, so Abbott and all of our troops were trying to keep people from entering the country. Again, pretty common sense. Uh, but we'll do it again. We've already pledged that as soon as Abbott needs them, Oklahoma will be there to, to help them support. Uh, but I think it'd be a a tremendous mistake for President Biden if he tries to federalize the Texas National Guard, uh, because these are still Texans. And I've talked to the Border Patrol. I've talked to Texan, Texas uh, National Guard. They know how silly the Biden policy is. They want to protect their communities. And so you're going to put our National Guard in a tough situation, trying to obey what they know is a very, very foolish policy, uh, allowing invasion to come into our country. Uh, illegally. And, and and I think it's a powder keg that's ready to go off. I hope Biden calms everything down and doesn't try to push this issue because Americans are sick of it.
0: I mean, can you imagine if Joe Biden federalizes 26 states National Guard? I mean, we that I, I don't even know how to process that, Governor.
1: Yeah. Well, I I think that, you know, our, our National Guard, they're here to serve the country, but they're also Oklahomans. They're also Texans. They understand this issue. And I think they would have a hard time getting down there and cutting the wire uh, under Biden's order and just letting people come in. Um, So it would be a difficult situation.
0: Yeah, it would be complete. I want to be very clear. This would be completely on Joe Biden to unnecessarily escalate a conflict. Like, why don't you go visit and talk to you and Abbott, Mr. President, before you even like whisper federalizing anything? Like, I know working more than two hours a day is unusual in this White House. But I mean, just it would be so insane and so outrageous. And Governor, from a moral perspective, you've been really clear on this and excellent, which is we are being invaded. And Oklahoma is not technically a border state, but you're border adjacent. You're only a couple hours and you're seeing the flow. And by the way, one of the thoroughfares of which a lot of the drugs and fentanyls go through goes straight through your state. It goes straight through the state of Oklahoma. And this is impacting us in in humanitarian ways. I. I, I would argue that almost every single state is a border state. Can you just talk, though, about how some of your other Republican governor colleagues, I'm very encouraged to see now 25 states stepping up, you guys originally. What do you, because that's double. Before it was 12, now it's 25. What do you attribute that to?
1: Yeah, I, I think, to to me, I think the straw that broke the camel's back for even moderates or even people on, on, on in the Democratic Party, when, when they see saw the Supreme Court in a 5-4 decision, say that we can start cutting these 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 wires down to let people in illegally outside of these ports of entry i think that's just that that this makes no sense whatsoever uh so obviously uh, i'm glad to see the other republican governors stepping up uh i think quietly democrat governors are like really tired of this you 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 see you see new york calling foul and you see you know that and illinois asking for more resources uh, these even liberal states realize, uh, this is unsustainable and, and they're asking for federal resources now, which I'm absolutely opposed to giving any federal resources to try to sure up some of these other city, some of these other states. Uh, let's fix the problem. And that's simply to go back to the Trump era policy, which is just remain in Mexico and let's have, let's, let's know who's coming in our country. We already have a legal process for work visas, et cetera. Uh, let's make sure we do that correctly. Um, and again, the, these solutions are not difficult. Uh, we know how to fix this problem. We just need to stop playing politics. And the Biden administration needs to focus on securing the borders and what's best for America, not what's best for his next election. Hey,
0: everybody. Charlie Kirk here. Mike Lindell and MyPillow employees want to thank my listeners for all your continued support. To thank you, they're having an overstock clearance sale right now for the best prices ever when you use promo code KIRK and you get free shipping on your entire order. Get 50% off the MyPillow 2.0 and the brand new flannel sheets that just arrived and won't last long. Get six-pack towel sets for only $29.98 and take advantage of the free shipping on larger items like mattresses and mattress toppers. The 100% made in USA on sale for as low as $99.99. Everything is on sale from the brand-new kitchen towels that have the same technology as the as the bath towels that actually absorb dog beds, blankets, couch pillows, and so much more. To get the best specials ever, go to MyPillow.com or call 800-875-0425. Use promo code KIRK and get free shipping on your entire order. So call 800-875-0425 or go to MyPillow.com, promo code Kirk. That is MyPillow.com, promo code Kirk. I think so highly of Mike Lindell. He's a great patriot. He's a terrific person. Go to MyPillow.com, promo code Kirk. So, Governor, I want to get to the LNG story. But first, do you have any comment on just some of the whispers of what we're hearing out of Washington, D.C.
1: in regards to an immigration deal? Yeah, I mean, a, l- a little bit. I haven't seen the Senate's plan, but, uh, you know, he- here's the deal. I-, I don't trust the Biden administration at all to negotiate until they secure the border. We have to secure the border. It's common sense. It's not difficult. They have to start enforcing the laws that are already on the books. And then we, yeah, we can talk about immigration reform and what that looks like. And, uh, but, but until they want to have an honest conversation about the border, I think anything that they put out is is uh, uh, is probably dead on arrival,
0: and it should be that way. Governor, talk about this recent decision to suspend exploration of LNG or exporting. I, I I'm not caught up on
1: all the details. Explain it to us. So so basically, you know, uh, Oklahoma is uh, is an is an energy powerhouse. We're so fortunate to have resources not only in Oklahoma but a lot of states, Pennsylvania, Texas. And so the Biden administration and the Department of Energy has just suspended or stopped new permits for LNG exports, new projects. So basically what that means is you've got the, you've got a federal agency now stopping, uh, the sell of our resources to our allies. So what does that mean? That means that, uh, LNG is liquefied natural gas that gets shipped to, to our allies in Europe and Asia. And now that means that our friends in Europe are going to be forced to buy energy from Russia. Uh, it just makes no sense whatsoever. You're harming American companies and American jobs, number one. You're bending your knee to some extreme environmentalists, number two. Number three, you're making the world less safe, uh, more dependent on people that don't like us. Why would we line the pockets of Russia and, and Iran uh, instead of American companies with our allies, because guess what? People have to heat their homes. They've got to drive to their kids to school. It makes no sense whatsoever not to be energy independent and not to sell to our friends and our allies and force them to buy from
0: their enemies. Is there a lawsuit in the making here? I mean, this is this. And what does this mean for Oklahoma? If this becomes policy, the suspension of using this great blessing
1: that God gave us underneath our feet. Yeah, I mean, well, first off, you know, Oklahoma is like the pipeline capital of the world. This is also interesting, Charlie, that I think your in, your your listeners would love this. Um, you know, in Cushing, Oklahoma, uh, we have the largest oil reserve, commercial oil reserve, it's about a hundred million barrels. It's actually where they price uh, WTI uh, oil, and there's already two pipelines. Think about this: there's already two pipelines from Canada to Cushing, Oklahoma, that deliver safe uh natural gas and all the way down to the coast then um to get on ships to go to our allies around the world. Uh the third pipeline, the third pipeline was going to be the Keystone XL that the Biden administration killed. It was there was already two pipelines from from Canada to the U.S. into into Cushing, Oklahoma. The Keystone XL was the third. The safest way to move oil and natural gas is by pipelines. Everything that this administration does is political it doesn't make sense for the american people uh that's what's driving inflation up uh but but he's he's going to harm not only oklahoma companies but he's going to make everything cost more uh in europe as well
0: yeah it's just it kind of is this theme which you keep on saying it makes no sense and it's ideological and you as a governor you don't have the luxury of believing in abstract ideological fantasies you have to deliver for your voters and not not this bizarre academic theory that you can transition us away from oil and natural gas. Just final thoughts on this and other things you're dealing with in the great state of Oklahoma. Yeah.
1: Well, again, uh, I'm getting more and more bold as I see some of these uh, policies that are being pushed out of Washington, D.C. I think Americans, uh, we believe in free markets. We believe in individual liberties. Uh, People want the government to, to stay out of their lives so much um, why are we getting involved with a company that is trying to deliver and sell their resources, uh, the LNG? Then you throw on the latest cutting razor wire down at the southern border. And uh, and I, I think people are just getting fed up with it. Um, you know, my plea to this administration is, let's sit down and let's figure this out. Uh, let's stop this nonsense. Stop focusing so much on getting reelected and let's do what's right. And let's do the job that you're elected to do And that's to protect the American people and America first and make make our country uh, the the beacon to the world.
0: You're, You're doing a great job, Governor. Hold the line. If they're able to cripple our energy dominance, we will enter the third world, period. End of story. Governor, thank you so much. Thanks, Charlie. All right. I want to tell you about Herzog. Herzog Foundation is amazing. I want you guys to check it out right now. We've been talking about how our nation's public schools have been captured by progressive ideologues teaching things that directly contradict the values of millions of American families. For those of you worried about the best educational path for your kids and grandkids, I'm pleased to announce our new partnership with the folks at the Herzog Foundation. They are the trusted source of American K-12 private education with a remarkable suite of resources for parents and grandparents. From their online publication, The Lion, to the new podcast, Making the Leap, Herzog Foundation offers a wide range of advice and information for Christian parents. To learn more about how your family and faith and community can flourish through a quality Christian education, go to Herzog dot com. That is herzogfoundation.com, herzogfoundation.com, Herzog Foundation.com. Herzog Foundation.com H E R Z O G. Herzog Foundation.com Joining us now is Vivek Ramaswamy. Vivek, I'm gonna brag on you. I sent out this tweet this morning. You know, a lot of people they'll come on and they're full of bluster and all this. And, you know, you came on our show and I said, you know, we're doing all these different things and you pledged To support Turning Point. And I said, Oh, thank you, Vivek. That's very nice. And you just made a very, very generous gift to Turning Point USA. So thank you, Vivek, means a lot. I know that you don't want the credit. You didn't ask for it. None of that. It's just I texted you and I mean it because you're 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 you really are a believer. You are dedicated to this. You love this country. And I'm really, really impressed by how you conducted yourself and the impact that you made throughout this last year. So I just want to make sure I say that, and I'm going to dive deeper into that as our discussion continues. You've had a, you've had a whirlwind the last few weeks of a lot going on, uh, but you have an announcement to make here in our program. So the floor is yours. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean, I've been thinking about different ways to have an impact on the country. And, and Charlie, the presidential race for me is over. I think the presidential race, as we know it, is over. Donald Trump is going to be the next president. It's our job to make it that. But I've been thinking about how else to have an impact across the country. And we need a good Senate. And we need a good Congress to be able to get this done. And so I'm looking at who are the top candidates who I'm going to actively be able to support to make sure they're able to shape our country. And one of those I want to announce for the first time today is Carrie Lake, who I'm going to now officially, as of this moment, endorse wholeheartedly in her race to actually help lead this country. And she's, as you know well, an America first patriot. But the thing that stuck out to me about Carrie, there's a lot to love about her, but she is one of those few people with a spine to actually stand up and stick it to the establishment media without fear of consequence. And I know a lot of Republicans will generally in vague terms complain about the media or whatever. I think Carrie is somebody who knows how to cut through a lot of that smokescreen and get to truth. And you think about the media is supposed to hold the government accountable. They're no longer doing that. Who's going to hold the media accountable? It's going to take Republicans like Carrie Lake to do it. And So there's a lot of reasons why I support her. Her tough stands on the border, being from Arizona, a lot of her colleagues being complicit. I would go so far as to say, in the open border situation we have, but somebody's going to stand for American values, stand for America first principles, but also have the spine to stand up against the media. That brought me around wholeheartedly to say, I'm going to be helping her and doing everything I can to make sure she is indeed representing us.
0: That's that's great. We love Carrie, and Carrie is in it for the right reasons. So it's a, it's an awesome announcement, Vivek. Um, And you're welcome here anytime in Arizona. We're planning something very, very big, hopefully soon. So, Vivek, there's so much I want to talk to you about. But here's a question I haven't heard you answer because, you know, people ask you the popcorn stuff and that's fine. What did you learn running for president? Mm. What did you learn? I'm still... Processing, it's been
2: only not that long and I want to take some time to reflect on it. But a few things that I've learned, the first two things are going to sound stupid because you're going to say, how did you not know this? And I did know it, but I didn't really know it, is the influence of mega money on politics. I mean, the audience for the, audience for the debates, for example, is not the people of this country. The audience for the debates are the gatekeepers, the mainstream media and a donor establishment that uses that to take their cues of who's going to actually advance their agenda. So that was one of my learnings is you know the media is going to be powerful and the mainstream media is going to have an effect in tilting the scales. You know the mega donors matter, but you think you can stand up to that. Only to a limited extent is what I've learned is at the end of the day, the people who have determined and tilted the scales hold far more power than I expected. I'm not sitting here to whine about that or anything else, but it is a learning that I think I'll I'll take forward with me, and it's worth understanding deeply if we're ever going to fix it. I think the positive learning, Charlie, is that I also went to places in this campaign that traditional Republican candidates don't go. I've been to the south side of Chicago. I've been to Kensington in the inner city of Philadelphia. I've been to parts of the country. I've been on the West Coast, California. One thing I've recognized, even last week after the campaign ended, I, was, I went to New York City to visit friends and family. When I was in New York City last week, I'm not kidding you, Charlie. I'm driving. I'm like walking around on Central Park West. There's people driving their cars, sticking their heads out of their cars. People might be 25, 30 years old, screaming in support. I'm meeting doormen in apartment buildings that'll come up and tell me I'm with Trump and I'm, I'm excited you're endorsing him. But don't tell anybody else. This is in the middle of Manhattan in New York City. One of the things I've realized is that we are actually in substance, 80% of us far more united in this country than the media would teach you to believe. And so I stand by it. We are in the middle of a war in this country, but it's not a 50-50 war. It's easily 80 20 in our favor.
0: You. Yes. I it think might be 90 exactly. 10 in I, I, our favor. I think that's exactly and
2: I think that's something I learned in this. It opened my eyes this year and leaves me. That's the part that leaves me hopeful and the part that leaves me more cynical. And both of those, I would say, are learnings from the last year.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of both those takeaways are somewhat d- different sides of the same thing, which is that the people are with us, but the oligarchs are not. And they control the process and the infrastructure. I totally agree. The attitudes of this country, we're a center right country. We are. And Vivek, what I saw from the ground, you, you know, I called you, we talked right before you ran for president. And I gave you some very blunt, you know, advice and feedback. And something I missed in your candidacy, I saw it was happening, is how you were able to red pill elite opinion. And you did this better than anybody I've seen run for president or do anything in a short period of time. And I'm talking about people with master's degrees, PhDs, billionaires that otherwise we're not necessarily thinking about these issues. And one, for example, is Elon Musk. I mean, Elon Musk, you drew the attention of Elon Musk for multiple hours on these Twitter spaces. You have the world's wealthiest guy that is running some of the most powerful companies on the planet, and you're having substantive, detailed conversations. So I call you the red pillar of the elite because we need some of the elite. We don't need all of it, but it kind of goes I, to I your gatekeeper actually. Takeaway. It's incredibly important. I think it's important. So in the long run, I don't think we should have these separate categories
2: of the gatekeepers versus the will of the people. That's what we fought an American revolution to say is that it's not decided in the back of palace halls. It's decided by the people through a constitutional republic. But in the meantime, this can't just be a myth. In order to get there, I think what we have to realize is that many people who have achieved the American dream, as I have, right, who have lived in the elite halls of nations, elite universities or whatever. I think many of them are still good, earnest people that may have not been given the permission in their environments to be able to say the things that are probably true in their heart, but they've convinced themselves out of. And so one of the things that I did in this campaign, but I want to continue to do, Charlie, is give a lot of those people the permission to speak openly what they otherwise might even say in private at the dinner table. I mean, you look at the likes of, it's not easy. It's in some ways you got to celebrate that even more because it's harder. They have negative consequences financially that inert to them. I mean, the likes of Elon Musk. I mean, even the likes of people on the center left, people like Bill Ackman. I've appreciated a lot of his eye-opening behavior and I've butted heads with him and we have, we're friends, but we have sparred aggressively and disagreed vehemently. But I think that's, those are the kinds of people with whom you need to have open, honest debate. And I think the path to reviving this country runs through that kind of honest debate. And so that's what I've been doing, I would say, in all corridors of American life, but including even amongst former colleagues or peers in so-called elite America. I do think that's an important element of this fight. And every one of us, right, we each have our own unique advantages. We've got to look ourselves in the mirror and ask, how are we going to use our own God-given gifts, our own unique abilities, and our own unique gifts to be able to drive change in this country? And that's definitely one of the ways that I feel a sense of responsibility to help drive change in our in our movement as well.
0: In addition to the elite opinion, I saw this happening with a specific type of voter that Republicans need to win. This is the Joe Rogan crypto minor voter. Uh, they're very high IQ. They consume a lot of information. They're very online. They consume a lot of yep. podcasts. They consume a lot of long form discussion. They are not necessarily MAGA. They're not ma- they're not against it, but. They have their you know, idiosyncrasies when it comes to certain issues. You know the type I'm talking about. And I saw it firsthand. I want to play a piece of tape here, though, because it demonstrates my theory, because I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand where these crypto bros come up to me in Scottsdale and they say, oh, my goodness, I love Avake. He's the greatest thing ever. I say, tell me more. Listen to this. This is New Hampshire. This is kind of these are not your traditional Republican voters saying they voted for Trump because of Avake. Play cut 85. Because I just feel like we need strength in our government at this point, and um, a, a new change in leadership will be excellent for the look of our government. Um, Vivek Ramaswamy endorsing Trump was also a big sign that I mean this is the way to go. Vivek, riff on that. that that's that's a demo. We need to win. Yeah. We need to win the Rogan bro entrepreneur young male vote. So I'll give you a few different buckets that I think we
2: are going to win. And I'm yes. doing everything in my power to make sure we do. And that's why I think we're going to potentially have a landslide of epic proportion this November. I'll say young people, young people who are libertarian, aspiring entrepreneurs, historically apolitical, yes. but want to succeed without anybody else flogging them for who they are. I also think that black men are a pretty interesting totally demographic. Agree. And I yes. can talk about that. Charlie yes. is I, – I, I was surprised with the level of – black male support particularly i mean i I like black female support too but i'm talking about a specific demographic of people who have been told to shut up sit down do as they're told that are now kind of sick of that a lot of people in the cryptocurrency world a lot of bitcoiners a lot of young entrepreneurs who are aspiring and so people who may identify as libertarian what i would say charlie is you would say they're not maga i just want to riff on that a little bit i actually think that you know what they can be maga i think they may not be traditional republican I think we need to define what MAGA is. And MAGA means the people we elect to run the government are the ones who run the government. We, the people, create a government accountable to us, not the other way around. And our leaders owe a moral duty to this country, not another one. Put it that way, yes, we're bringing all of those independent, so-called centrist, podcast, long-form listening, potentially Bitcoin trading crowd along with us who historically make comfortable saying in public that they're libertarian But there actually, there's a there's a nationalist streak to it too that absolutely makes that part of the MAGA movement. And so one of the things we've got to do is Joe Biden's going to use the word MAGA, whatever. What what does he say? Extreme MAGA. He's going to make that part of the theme heading into this November. I don't think we should hide from that label. I think we should embrace it and use that to encompass a lot of other people from black men in the inner cities to cryptocurrency traders, to people who are young entrepreneurs aspiring across this country to say that, you know what, we are MAGA, we're proud of it, and you're going to actually welcome you to our movement as well. And that is why I dropped out after Iowa, Charlie. I did not expect to drop out. I got about 8% in Iowa. I was about to get 8% in New Hampshire as well. But I think this GOP primary needed to be over. I think for all intents and purposes, it is over now. To throw that vote and then summon Donald Trump's direction and to make sure we're focusing not just on winning this general election, but by doing it with this kind of moral mandate shock landslide quality. You know, Reagan in 1980 did it. I think Donald yes. Trump in 2024 could do that. This could be the 1984 of Ronald Reagan as the 2024 of Donald Trump. And I think that's the single greatest thing we can do to unite this country Absolutely. and then use that wave to send good people like Kerry Lake into the Senate and do the same thing as well. That's what it's going to take to get this country back.
0: You, you, just, you did a great job on that Charlemagne show. I want to talk about if we have time. And, and Vivek, I want to just encourage you. I think you could be a deciding factor in this upcoming election. One of the big things that has changed since 2020 is there's probably been a 30 to 40% increase in production and definitely consumption of long-form podcasting since the last election. Yep. Liberals and left-wingers, with the exception of a couple tricksters, they can't play ball in long-form podcasting. There's a couple that can yeah. do it because they're really, really talented sophists, but the majority of them, yeah. they can't do it, right? And so I, I think that Trump should unofficially deploy you as the long for podcasting surrogate. And this is a huge demo. We're talking about the Rogans. Mm-hmm. We're talking about, you know, the, the Charlemagne show. We're talking about even Pod Save America if they'd ever have you on. You, sure. you dominate in that format because you're, you're high IQ. You're authentic. You ran for president. You understand the issues. You're incredibly charismatic. You know, history, your vocabulary and your diction and your word selection really resonates with college educated, high IQ people that, you know, don't necessarily just want to hear the name calling that they get exhausted, but their policy in alignment with us. I am now hereby appointing Vivek as the official long form podcasting (laughs) surrogate of the conservative movement. We're getting some of the clips here, but for the, the, the audience, for good reason, doesn't know. There's this guy, Charlemagne. He's very powerful in the black community. He is a little bit more of a free thinker than people give him credit for. He's not a Democrat partisan. Vivek, you just sat down and you did a wonderful job. Walk us through this. It's And I'm sure the response you've received is overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, look, I think
2: that we had a, a serious conversation. So what happened is early on in my campaign, I went on that show and there was Charlemagne and there was this guy, DJ Envy, who are in person, and then there was this third person, this woman who remoted in. And that interview, I mean, it, it worked out okay, but it went off the rails. I mean, you, you should just watch this from over a year ago. It was unnecessarily contentious about some weird topics that she was challenging me on about how I hadn't run for student council president yet. We don't have to go there, but it was just a, it was, it was a very uncomfortable interview a year ago. And at the end of that, Charlemagne had told me, he's like, well, I bet you're not coming back after this. I said, you know what? I bet you that I will. And so I didn't really have a chance to do it over the course of the campaign, but I prefer to keep my word. And so I had told him I was going to go back on. And so I happened to be in New York City visiting friends and family. I called him up and said, you want to do this on Monday morning? We called him over the weekend. He said, sure. So we came on on Monday morning and we had actually what was actually a really productive conversation, unlike the first time that I went on, where we talked in depth about some contours of American history, where I'd like to think that. You know, usually I'm doing this to persuade the audiences, but not necessarily the hosts. But I think on the occasion we just had earlier this week, I think I did actually persuade the hosts of a few things of our history that, you know, they may not have known about. And I think those are the conversations we need to have as a country if we're going to move this country forward, such as the legacy of slavery or our founding fathers actually forever tainted because they owned slaves, you know, that age old topic. I think we made some progress on that by just not arguing it, but just talking some facts about history that... The other two to weren't aware of. And I think that was a positive for the country, I hope.
0: Here, it proves my point. Look how talented Vivek is in this long form. And for, I know some people in the audience, and this is okay, it's a generational thing. Something wrong with you, you might say, I don't understand. What do you mean long form? You sit down unscripted for two, three hours, and you just talk. This is the way that a lot of swing voters and people in the middle get their information. The, the, I believe the 2024 election will partially be decided on who wins the long form war. Play cut 188.
2: I'm in this to unite the country. mm mm-hmm. And I think if we're going to take this seriously, every one of us has to acknowledge the full nuances of our history in every direction to say that we're not going to listen to Thomas Jefferson or that our founding was illegitimate because they were deeply imperfect and flawed is every bit as bad as somebody who's going to say that I'm going to entirely dismiss the fact that they were slave owners. I think that both
0: of those are mistakes that could lead to the lead to the failure of our country as we know it. I think you did an excellent job on there, Vivek. So you talk about black men. I want to dive into that. What other issue set do you think as an opportunity to win over black men coming into November?
2: Yep, the border and Ukraine. And both of them relate to the deeper question about what the heck is my government actually doing to say they care about me versus caring about people halfway around the world or south of our own border, right? When I went to the south side of Chicago, one of the things I saw was they're converting South Shore High School into an encampment for migrants at $7,000 per migrant per month. Now, there are a lot of people in that community, they challenged me on things like racial reparations and we I didn't budge on my position. But where we actually found common ground was to say that, you know what? America First does include all Americans. And so they're providing baby formula and sneakers and the totality of $7,000 per illegal per month converting their high school into an encampment. Yeah, you are right in this community to ask what the heck about me. And I got questions there asking about why are we forking over hundreds of billions of dollars to Ukraine, this corrupt country halfway around the world, for a war that no one's explained to me actually helps me here at home, when we're not doing enough for veterans' benefits or Social Security or Medicare protection for the people who do live here. So I think those are winning issues. And then I think the other winning issue for a lot of black men in particular is they this idea of just speaking the truth in an unscathed, in an unvarnished way. Even the hard truth is about what's the truth about what really happened on January 6th? What's the truth about the FBI's corruption that led to the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping plot? I've found that a lot of people, because there's a history here, Charlie. I mean, the FBI was corrupt in the 1960s, going after Martin Luther King or civil rights activists with incorrectly collected tapes. And so I think when that lands on the ears of many black Americans, they hear a different valence than the yes. average no, that's Let's just right. say you know New England Boston Brahmin yeah, class. I, I, I will
0: say this though, Democrat, and we're running out of time. Pavic, black men are open-minded to alternative theories that otherwise college-educated people wouldn't be in, and that's important and because they've experienced they've it through
2: experienced. the history. And so, so, so we can unite actually to yes. say the FBI was corrupt seventy years ago, yeah. and maybe Republicans failed to admit it then. Well, you know what? They're still corrupt now, and the Republicans are admitting yes. it now. So why don't you come along?
0: Done. Black men are open to that. There's some forces working against them. Guess what? They're right. Vivek, God bless you, man. Thank you for the support. We're behind you 100%. Keep on going on those long form podcasts. Thanks so much. Thank you, man. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Email us as always, freedom at charliekirk.com. Thanks so much for listening. God bless.
1: For more on many of these stories and news you can trust, go to charliekirk.com.